0: A young father was seen pushing a baby carriage down the pathway of a local park one Saturday as the baby let out an unrelenting series of shrieks and wails that rang through the otherwise quiet park. The father could be seen looking down at the baby and mumbling Settle down now, John. It's okay, little Johnny. It's going to be fine, John, boy. And a mother who was walking by, having raised kids already, was moved by the sight of this father so gently consoling his child and so she stopped and to encourage him she says you have a wonderful way you show such a marvelous approach to to caring for that little one and then she leaned over the baby carriage and she says oh now 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 little johnny it's gonna be okay and the father said oh no he's billy i'm johnny Almost all of us have had our Johnny moments in life, and maybe they come more frequently this time of year. We find ourselves amidst the rush and clatter of the Christmas season so often driven at a fever pace. Our nerves get whipped up, the world seems to be wailing at us from outside, and Inside, the cries of anxiety and fear and concern and pressure become overwhelming to us at times. We hunker down, we try to keep going along life's parkway path, as it were, but this clamor and this chaos that cries from without and within gets to us very often this time of year. Maybe it's the job or the lack of the job, maybe it's the family issues or the lack of of sufficient family round about us. Perhaps it's something going on with our health. Maybe it's the things we've still got to do, or the things we've already done and wished we could undo. Some of us during these times fantasize a lot. Uh, How many of you honestly fantasized about winning that super lotto? You know, how many thought, gosh, what would I do if I had those kinds of resources? Uh, I would move away to some other place. I would leave the pressures of this life, this stuff I've got behind and go off to a desert island someplace where I could really relax and finally be at peace. And so we just keep whispering assurances to ourselves because we don't have that escape route. We keep saying, it's going to be okay, Dan. It's going to be all right. It's going to work out. We reach for the earplugs of drink or distraction, but no matter how fast we walk, no matter how far we run, trying to escape what haunts us, we find that it is still right there in our stroller. At the end of the day, the peace that we all long for is not so much a place Or a position we could get to by our own efforts, so much as it is a gift that gets delivered to us. Let me say that part one more time. At the end of the day, the peace that most of us are really searching for, I know I hunger for it, uh, maybe especially in these days. This peace is not so much a place we could travel to or a position we could rise to by our own energies so much as a gift that is given to us by the hand of God. The very deepest kind of peace, the peace of knowing that it will be okay, that all will in the end be truly well, that kind of peace is a grace. And like all other graces, it is something that often comes knocking on our door when our eyes and our minds are focused on something else. Peace is a gift that God seems to give to those who find favor in his sight. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed that word favor in the Christmas story. Uh, if you were here last week and you heard us read our way through Luke chapter 1 and 2, you would have encountered that word several times. It's right there in the announcement of Christmas to the first celebrant of Christmas when the angel says, Greetings, you who are highly favored to the Virgin Mary. Then he underlines it again a little bit further on in the story. Mary, he says, you have found favor with God. We hear the word yet again in the proclamation of the peace of Christmas That's given to the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. And I look at these texts and I find myself wondering if it isn't just possible that peace isn't for everybody, peace is not going to be found by just anybody. Oh, holiday cheer, that's available to everybody. All you need is a good eggnog recipe. And maybe you can find that, momentary escape. But if we study the scriptures closely, it seems to say, at least in this part of the narrative, that the deep peace, the deep assurance that comes with Christmas, that God is truly with us, that he's really working for us, that he is bringing forth a good through even uncomfortable circumstances, this message, this reality, might be something that comes only to those who find favor with God. Now, I was troubled by that idea. This idea that there might be a conditionality to the, to the gift of peace. And so I got out my word processor or my computer and I did a full-on word search of the word favor in the Bible, and how it got used, and in relationship to whom and what. A- and I was stunned to discover how often the blessings of God seem to be tied to the concept of finding favor in his sight, uh, the full experience of those blessings connected to favor in his sight. Genesis says, for example, that the Lord looked with favor upon Abel and his offering. A bit later on, the Bible declares that, and I quote, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Then further on, God says to Moses, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. A primary prayer of King David was, May the favor of the Lord our God rest upon us. The Bible tells us almost nothing else about the childhood and the youth of Jesus Christ save for the fact, and I quote, that he grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man, with all people. And it also tells us that when Jesus was inaugurating his public ministry, when he was describing what he had come to bring, uh, in his very first sermon, the message he gave at the synagogue of Nazareth, He did so by saying that he had come to proclaim the year of the Lord's what? That's right, his favor. He had come to bring favor. As I studied the Bible, there were these and so many other references to this favor of God as a precedent or a companion to the subsequent pouring out of his blessings. I began to wonder... Is there anything I could do to increase the likelihood of it being one of those favorable ones? Is there anything that you and I together could do to increase the probability that we too might find favor with God? Now, I want to stop here for a minute and just stress that the favor of God does not ultimately depend upon our actions or worth. Okay? Uh, it, It does not. The favor of God is a grace. It is freely given by God for his own reasons and for his own purposes. We don't earn it. We don't command it. And yet the Bible does suggest that he seems to take some delight in in pouring his blessings through the lives of people for whom there seem to be these favorable characteristics going on. And, And I want to talk with you about what I see as a pattern here in the lives of people upon whom his favor comes to rest. And the three qualities that I see most frequently, at least in the story of Christmas are the qualities of humility, availability, and obedience. God looks with favor upon those who are humble, upon those who are like Mary, for example, in the Lucan story. Listen to what these words tell us about Mary's spirit. And these are the words of the Magnificat, the the famous um, song of Mary. My soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on all generations will call me blessed for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends To those who fear him, who stand in awe of him from generation to generation. Part of what qualifies Mary to be a conduit of the grace and peace of our Lord Jesus Christ is her very awareness of her lack of qualifications for the job. Mary is absolutely amazed that God would be mindful of her. I contrast that with the impulse that rises up inside of us sometimes in which we think, God, why aren't you more mindful of us? Why aren't you paying attention to my needs and what's going on here in this place and in this situation? What's going on, God? Contrast that with Mary, who is simply stunned, humbled, amazed that the great and glorious God would be mindful of of her. In that way, her ancestor David speaks out to her when he wrote in Psalm 8, When I see the works of thy hands, what is man that thou art mindful of him? The Son of Man, that thou dost care for him. Mary is amazed. She glories not in her own worthiness. She doesn't think, Gosh, of course God picked me. You know, I was wondering when he was going to get around. <laughs> to put me in a position of influence. Mary just marvels at the inexplicable mercy of God in doing such a thing through her. And she considers herself blessed, not because of her own achievements, but because the mighty one has mysteriously elected to work through her. We find a similar humility in the shepherds a little later on in Luke chapter 2. They're just awestruck that God would show up to them, that God would favor them as the very first ones to receive the good news of the Savior's birth. Another shepherd whom God favored to actually make the king of Israel puts the truth this way. The Lord delights in those who fear him, in those who stand in awe before him. Who put their hope in his unfailing love. Are you and I humble like this? That's the first question we ought to ask ourselves today. Are we humble enough to receive the favor of God? Or do we go through this season wondering why things aren't working out better for us? Why all these lines? Why all this traffic? Why all of these problems? Why all of these people in my way? Or do we move along humbly awestruck and thankful before any act of love, any gift of mercy, any twinkle of beauty that comes our way? If you want greater peace, if you long for greater wonder in these holy days, you will find it through the doorway of humility, of humility. Secondly, if you study the Christmas story very carefully, you'll notice that God seems to look with favor upon those who are available to him, those who are humbly available to him. He seems to come especially close to those who are willing to have their present version of peace disturbed if, if it will advance his purposes. And this is what makes Mary here a very remarkable figure. Uh, I suppose there might have been some element of joy in in the message that she was going to have a baby. Right? I can't imagine uh, uh, many people who wouldn't feel some twinkle of hope or happiness at the news that that a child was to be born. But on another very practical level, what the angel told her was devastating, right? I mean, she lived in a culture in, in, in which treatment of women who had babies out of wedlock was not happy treatment. I mean, this was catastrophic news the angel was bringing on one level. It it almost certainly meant the loss of Joseph. It, It could very literally mean that she would have been stoned to death as an adulteress. This was catastrophic in some way. This news that you're going to get to give birth to the Son of God and the Savior of the world was balanced by all of the implications of that. As the prophet and the angel went on later to say, and a sword will pierce your heart. And as she would come to discover, nails would pierce the flesh of her baby. This was a mixed blessing at best, this disruption of her life plan. It's a little like that message God gave to our friend Bob Galehood years ago. Bob, you're going to have the chance to inspire hundreds of people. That's the good news. Here's the bad. You're going to die a slow, painful death of cancer inspiring them. And Mary listens to this news. And she ponders the delirious and difficult implications of this future the angel describes. And then she makes this absolutely amazing choice like I suppose our friend Bob did, you know, what he said. Okay, I'm going to choose this as a path of... I'm going to be available to God in these circumstances as I'm dying. Mary makes this choice. I am the Lord's servant, she says. May it be to me, as you have said. Reflecting on these words... Author Philip Yancey writes, often a work of God comes with two edges, great joy and great pain. And in that matter-of-fact response, Mary embraced both. She was the first person to accept Jesus on his own terms, regardless of the personal cost. You know, sometimes I ask myself if I am even close to that kind of a disciple. Do I accept Jesus on his own terms or only on my terms? Am I truly available to being moved and used by a supreme God Or am I really only available to my idea of a Santa God? The one that always gives me what's on my wish list. The one who never asks me to move out of my comfort zone. Am I even close to being this kind of available disciple? Do you ever wonder about that for yourself? One of the ways that I know that that God builds that kind of availability into people is by calling them into places of disruption. And you may be going through that in your workplace or in your home or in in the important spheres of your life. You may be dealing with disruptions of your plans. Um, What if the next time we find ourselves in one of those disrupted zones, We, we didn't immediately... Uh, allow our feelings of of upset to overwhelm us and assume, just assume, that anything that makes us so uncomfortable couldn't possibly have come from the hand of a loving God? What if we didn't just leap to that conclusion? But but, but what if we embraced it looking for God's providence like Mary did? Uh, What if we leaned into the crisis? and just waited and longed for God's good to be born through it, even if there are some serious birth pains to be endured. Or the next time somebody, suddenly and very inconveniently perhaps, uh, interrupts our leisure or our work, Routine as somebody probably already has recently and will in the coming days, just imagine doing as those shepherds in the story do. Imagine, uh, imagine treating the interrupter like an angel from God that deserves our full attention and then go out of our way to respond to, to the interruption. A, a much greater of peace comes to anyone who greets whatever comes their way, not by asking the normal question, why is this happening to me? But by learning to ask, how can you use me, Lord, in this time, in these messed up circumstances? How can you do that? Could you live with more of that kind of availability to God in days ahead? In days ahead, how could we shift, both of us, from asking why is this happening to me now to what can I do to serve your purposes in this place or with this person, Lord, because those who can make the move to that kind of question find the doorway to a greater peace in their life. They just do. There is a third and final door also that seems to lead to blessing for those who walk through it. God looks with favor upon those who are obedient to his commands. There is no surer way to lose our capacity for peace than to disobey God. I uh, was reminded of that this week. We went out and got a Christmas tree in our family. We went to the place we always go. We go to the Clarendon Hills swimming pool where the Lions Club have got a great array of Christmas trees. This one came at a somewhat awkward time for us. It was the end of the day on Monday. We were worn out and tired, both of us, Amy and I, from working all day, the kids from schooling all day. But we dragged everybody out at nighttime to the place, and we let the dog run through the trees as we always do. And we found a tree lying there that looked about just the right size. And so we got all the boys around it and we hoisted it up and we put it on top of the old station wagon and we bungee corded it down and we drove home exhausted. We unbungied it, we took it down, we laid it on on the driveway and we began to shake it and get it ready to bring it on inside and that very moment I noticed there was this little tag at the bottom of the tree with somebody else's name on it marked PAID. And for just a minute, I thought... (laughs) But I could find no peace. And I just knew it wouldn't be right. So we hoisted it back up onto the car, and we bungeed it down, and we drove it on back. We never can find the peace we long for when we are doing the very things which take us out of the will of God, no matter how small or how large in our lives. When I'm not honoring my spouse, when I'm not honoring my parents, when I'm not really caring for my kids or using my financial resources or treating my body or observing Sabbath, as God commands these things, I can't expect to have peace. I mean, I can have lots of twinkle lights and Christmas carols, there's not going to be peace if I'm living out of step with him. And speaking to his countrymen in a time of national crisis, the prophet Daniel once said, all this disaster has come upon us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to his truth. We are not going to have peace in America simply by solving our momentary financial difficulties. We must turn our hearts back to Him. Conversely, the Bible makes clear that when an individual or a nation faithfully obeys God, there is no storm, there is no cliff, there is no crisis that can ultimately stop the peace of God from finally prevailing in their midst. As Isaiah the prophet of Christmas once wrote, the fruit of righteousness, of obeying God, will be peace. The effect of righteousness will be quietness and confidence forever. Or, I love the words of the psalmist here, great peace have they who love your law. Do you want greater peace in your life? I know I do. Do you want that peace that passes understanding? You and I can open the door to it this Christmas, to a greater measure of it. We can find the kind of peace that will sustain us no matter what screams come from the strollers or the markets or the headlines in the days ahead. Here's what we need to do. First, be humble enough to marvel At all the grace God is showing you, notice the details of it. Marvel at the wonder of all the goodness, all the grace, and not all the things going wrong in our lives. Notice that we have been surrounded by glory every bit as much as those shepherds or Mary in the light of the angels. His grace is with us everywhere. Secondly, be available enough to remain his trusting servant when interruptions and disruptions come. Try to consider them as invitations to be part of the good work God is unfolding, even if there are birth pangs to it. And finally, be obedient to his commands. Give, forgive, rest, love, honor. Because if you open These doors, if we can open them together, we will find favor with God, the Bible suggests, and more of the peace we seek. Don't take that on the word of a preacher. Take this because it is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.